This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. I'm really excited to have a conversation with this gentleman because he runs a luxury Antarctic company. His name is Patrick Woodhead. He runs White Desert, founded founded White Desert, I should say. And we can bring him into the conversation and say a very good evening to him now. Patrick, it's great to have you in studio with us. Hey, nice to meet you. Patrick, it's great to have you. And um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Antarctica, if you can, and how how it got started, how the company got started, and, and when you first perhaps sort of fell in love with Antarctica. Well, I was about to say exactly that. It's a love affair, and it, and it is. It's sort of one of those places that I first skied to the South Pole in 2002, and that was 48 days. It was hard work, pulling sleds, frostbite, the whole, you know, the whole thing, classic sort of explorer stuff. And at the end of it, I hate to admit it, but I kind of liked it. And it was, uh, I kind of thought, hey, I'm quite good at this. And I've got kind of weirdly good circulation and I like the cold. Um, And I went back and then did a full traverse of Antarctica. So it sort of, that started this whole love affair with this continent that, Usually Antarctica sort of sits on the bottom of a map. You can just see its fingertips and no one really pays it much attention. But it's this whole continent that sits there that's utterly seismic to our entire planet. And it's absolutely beautiful. And you came to this because you had a background in climbing, I understand. Because you were telling us a little bit off air that your expertise when it came to climbing was unmapped areas or unmapped territories. What is that like? Because I think so many people think of climbing peaks that we've all heard of time and again. When you're going to unmapped areas, it's a whole different challenge it's completely different challenge and that's why it's so incredibly exciting so there's you know people often sort of bemoan there's not much that isn't mapped on this planet i think if you sniff hard enough and look hard enough there definitely is um and it wasn't just climbing it was also like we did a a a kayaking expedition in the amazon because no one had been down that river before Um, i was in the middle of the congo running around with pygmies uh which was just hilarious and it was the first time I felt really tall in my whole life it was, it was I felt really empowered um but it's it was kind of climbing was was definitely something that was really exciting and then even if it's not the most technical mountain because no one's climbed it before that makes it really special and that led us really into Antarctica because there's so much wilderness there's so much space there's so much that hasn't been done in Antarctica uh inevitably our gaze got drawn south uh, and did you climb in Antarctica yeah, I've climbed lots of, in Antarctica. Uh, okay, so, so when you are climbing something, as far as I'm aware, and I, I could be wrong here, but there's a lot of hidden crevasses and, and there's a lot, a lot of hidden dangers on that continent that it would be impossible to know existed unless you were familiar with the land. How did you kind of find your way and map things out? Well, the climbing is easier to do on that because you're very lightweight there's basically you and other guys or girls and you're roped up you've got helmets you know so if you fall into a crevasse you're pretty lightweight what we do now with a white desert we've got 120 people running around antarctica um you know it's a big operation and we're moving fuel we're moving supplies from an icebreaker on the coast that then has to be convoyed inland to to the runway to the ice runway which is 600 kilometers away across crevasse fields so from lightweight expeditions, actually managing those risks is relatively simple. And also you're with people that are very used to it. They're pretty tough and they're used to setting up tents and blizzards and, and you don't need much. 
Whereas when suddenly we've got a whole logistical operation, that's when keeping everybody safe, keeping everybody from driving into crevasses. I mean, we use ground penetrating radar that we push ahead of our vehicles. And some guy with a pair of headphones and a screen is watching the like, x-ray interpretation of the ground just ahead of them while the piston bullies are driving it just behind so this is just like one example of the, yeah antarctica keeps us on its toes and just when you think you've got it all mapped out you're doing fine everything's rolling then she'll go uh-uh not today uh-huh. not today and then we get a blizzard or something happens and we have to react did that ever happen on any of your journeys there before you set up this luxury accommodation and company before we get to that in your own journeys, in your own sort of adventures in Antarctica, did you ever have something go wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah, loads. <laughs> um, so uh, here's a nice gory one for you. When uh, in 2015, um, the guys that crossed Antarctica and skied to the South Pole, we all got back together. And in the old days, it was an 80-day expedition. None of us had children. You know, it was a whole big thing. Fast forward to 2015, we had 12 children between the four of us. And the wives basically said, uh-uh, you got, you got three weeks. So we were thinking, what do we do? So we decided to do a speed crossing of Greenland, um, and, which is a real polar ice cap. And we really underestimated it. We were kind of like, oh, we'll ski to the North Pole, South Pole. We're big, you know, we're tough. And Greenland basically kicked our ass. And we kited across half Greenland of... is like, just, just for context, it's like about the size of Saudi Arabia, isn't it? No, Greenland's huge. Greenland's really big. Even bigger than that. Uh, it's huge. And it's also, it's like a proper ice cap. And you think, oh, Greenland, whatever, right? No, it's like, it's, it's serious. <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell you, Patrick, I've never thought, ah, oh, Greenland, whatever. I think yeah. you're thinking Iceland. You no, know no, how no, I'm thinking always... Greenland. Oh, you are? Okay. Well, yeah. I've just come back from Iceland. So, so it's, no, it's definitely Greenland I'm talking yeah. about. But there we are going like, oh, we've got this. And we basically caught onto a storm and we kited 300 kilometers in a single night, um, basically following with our, you know, imagine like kite surfing, but on snow. And one of the guys, George, lost eight toes at that time. So, whoa, yeah. Oh. I mean, his foot modeling career has taken a bit of a, di- <laughs> a bit of a dive. Oh, God. Um, He's sort of one of those relentlessly chipper, happy people. So uh, he's kind of the, the best person for it to happen he to. He bounced back. Yeah. Wow. You basically circumnavigated Greenland from no, top to bottom. No, we crossed it. So we you crossed cro- it. So the idea was that the, um, the, so the English and Norwegians, there's a whole thing that's gone back a, f- mm. a hundred years, Amundsen, Scott, the whole thing. So we were basically on the East Coast and there's a few Norwegian teams who were giving us a little bit of like, oh, English, they're not going to do very well. And it was with great, no lack of schadenfreude, should I say that, that, that during this storm, they all got evacuated and we continued on and, uh, and managed to break the record. The Offscript Podcast. We are in studio with Patrick Woodhead. He is the founder of White Desert, a company that, when you go on the website, white-desert.com, really paints a picture of the extraordinary beauty of Antarctica. It's, I mean, obviously it goes without saying, like no place on earth and... It's captivating, isn't it, Sain? It is really captivating. Another thing that's captivating about the website is the Witchaway Camp, which has been described as Antarctica's first and only hotel. And I'm really interested, Patrick, to get into this a little bit, because why did you decide, when I think of luxury and I think of Antarctica, those two do not compute for me. Why did you decide that you wanted to make it more accessible for people who maybe didn't want to go through that initial hardship, let's say, that you went through on your early journeys? But that, that's exactly it. We were in Antarctica, in the deep field of Antarctica, 
as a polar explorer and I just looked around and thought, this is the most staggeringly beautiful place. Why is it only polar explorers and the odd scientists get to see this? And the genesis of it was was incredibly simple. It was literally like, it was, in fact, it was probably the worst business plan ever devised. I financed three tenths on the back of my credit card, paying some terrible interest rate, and uh, and thought if I build a camp, maybe someone will come and see it. And that was pretty much the start process. So, and it's called Witch Away because when I got down there, I didn't know which way to go and I got lost. So, um, hence the name of the camp. But that's evolved. It's like Hemingway only. Yeah. <laughs> only Witch Away. Only Witch Away. But, but the, you know, now, we're, now the company's 18 years old and uh, the early days of us just winging it and trying it, and you know, they're, they're kind of long gone. And so we've, but, but that sort of pioneering, pioneering atmosphere is still very much there. But the camp itself, you know, people don't want to be like a polar explorer. It's really tough and miserable and you're in pain most of the time. So to give people a taste where they can fly in from Cape Town, it's a five-hour flight, they land on a nice runway so they avoid all of that on a cruise ship, you've got to cross the Drake Passage. It's a whole thing. You get seasick. It's ah. I, and I, I, I hate boats anyway. So coming in by plane, you're there in five hours from, from Cape Town, which is a, a, a destination itself. It's beautiful. And then you're in this other world. And, you know, people, you need to have a bit of comfort. As the, the polar maxim goes, you know, any fool can be uncomfortable. So we designed a camp that's really, really sort of snug and it's, it's warm with this great food. And then that's your staging post to then go off exploring. And what kind of explore, exploration do the, the guests of, of this camp do? That depends on kind of how physically fit they are. And people have this misconception they need to be, you know, a double marathon runner and super fit. You know, I brought in my I brought in my six year old boy, and we've had Buzz Aldrin who was eighty two at the time. So there's been a really big, wide, you know, age range, and the activities vary from, like, I, the website's a good resource because when I talk about it over the air, especially on radio, there's no visuals, and it, and you, like the ice tunnels we go through, they're two hundred meters long of iridescent blue ice, and <gasps> it's it's completely otherworldly it's like you're on a martian landscape and then we go across to the blue river which is again this crazy blue color with these pressure ridges and so the landscape just blows your mind in fact i think we probably have the easiest job in the world because when the door of the plane opens and people inhale that cold air and they look out at wolfsfang mountain they see this whole place they just jaw drops and it's like being on another planet and i can't even comprehend how you created this facility? Because we should paint a picture, first of all, for our listeners. I mean, Rob and I have been on the website. We have an idea of what these beautiful heated domes that you've created look like on the inside. Very kind of luxurious, as we've already pointed out. Um, you know, I saw that you have a sauna as well involved. Yeah, There's a lot, why not? you know, exactly. Gourmet meals included in this. So it's a real luxury experience. I can't even comprehend how you've managed to do that in a place with zero infrastructure to work with. I mean, even as much as flying that plane down you were telling us off air that you had to create the runway out of ice yeah of course i mean that's natural right um no um, <laughs> it, it's 
It's uh, the I think the expression a guy a, a guy in the polar community called Rob McCullum said that he's a dreamer with a head for logistics, and I kind of re- really agree with that. So our we've got 120 people that work for us on ice from 18 different nationalities, and it is like a sort of mechanized infantry. You know, imagine to get the fuel from the icebreaker ship across to the camp, across to get the can of coke to to do anything Antarctica. The logistics are insane. Um, and that's partly why the price tag is what it is, but it is getting a plumber must be quite tricky as well. Well, all the pipes are frozen anyway. <laughs> Good so point. Good point. <laughs> no need for that. Just get a new pipe. It's it's not going to work. Um, it's but the, the one sim- area where you do not need one. Yeah. But the simplest thing, it's actually it's a lovely uh, disconnect for people. What what a lot of people really enjoy is that you're away from the internet away from real life, you're in this spectacular scenery. And then the simplest things, having a shower, having a can of Coke, having a, a good meal, it's, they're luxuries, they're real mm. luxuries. And you're reminded uh, how, just how much you can enjoy them. And even one night in the field, out, out, in the, out in the wilderness, and you come back to the sanctuary of Witchaway, or we've got this new camp called Echo, which was actually built uh, because Buzz Aldrin basically said this place looks like the surface of the moon. And I thought, that's a great idea. So we basically built this camp that looks like a, uh, it looks like it's highly futuristic. There's no wood, there's no fur, there's no, there's nothing soft about it. It looks far more like a Star Wars set. And the clients, it, it blows their mind because you've got these huge windows and you lie in bed, these vast floor to ceiling windows. And at all points, you're basically connected to the outside. Right. You're looking at this insane scenery, even while in bed having a coffee. A little bit off topic, but what's Buzz Aldrin like? He's an utter legend. <laughs> he genuinely is. He's also a genius level astronaut. So whichever way you face it, he's... <laughs> astoundingly intelligent he kind of like tried not to patronize me but i was just asking really stupid questions the whole time and then eventually he started talking to my children i think he had a much better conversation with them (laughs) in terms of the wildlife patrick um from what i understand most of it is on the periphery of of antarctica uh, and like south georgia and places like that is there much how close to the interior is this camp and is there much wildlife in the vicinity so we are in the deep field Antarctica, we are at 71 degrees latitude. And what we have uh, near us, which is the the main thing, we have a huge colony of emperor penguins. Right. And the emperors are the emperors. They're, they're a totally different thing because they're the only ones that stay in Antarctica during the winter. These animals have figured out a way and it's insane. I, I highly recommend watch March of the Penguins. And understand, you know, the female gives the male the egg. Mm. The male then survives the Antarctic winter. He loses 50% of his body weight holding onto this egg, waiting for the female to come back. I mean, just the story's insane. And then because we fly in, we can access really early in the season and we get to see the chicks on their parents' feet and then this whole colony. And they're totally unafraid of humans. And we have 28,000 penguins that are, they're magical. They're just I cannot tell you how beautiful they are. The chicks are ludicrously fluffy and look just like something out of Happy Feet. The adults have got this <laughs> black feathers on their back. They are absolutely black. And then they have this brilliant white chest and this 
dash of yellow. I mean, uh, I always kind of joke when sort of God was making animals, you know, snakes, dead easy, you just rolled those out. Penguins nailed it. They're absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And they, they trek a long way from there to, to, to the ocean, don't they? I mean, they have to walk the entire way. Yeah, they walk the and the story of their survival is extraordinary. And then to to see them having known that they have gone through this entire epic survival story. So that for for us we have emperor penguins and then we sometimes get Weddell seal, which are these huge five meter long seals that that carve their way up through these blowholes and then they sit lounging on the ice. Again, they're not scared of humans. So you've got this sort of wildlife experience where which is quite odd because they're completely unafraid of you. You know, you referenced the price tag there. We haven't yet told our listeners what the price tags are. I know you have a couple of different experiences that you offer. So what's the price range for for something like this to go down to Antarctica? So we do a day trip into Antarctica, which is $16,000. So that means you go in on our Airbus, you have three hours on the ground, but you're in the interior and it's experience. So it's it's short, but you really get to see the proper Antarctica. Mm -hmm. Then we do a five-day experience, which is about $60,000, depending which camp you're at for um, going to see the emperor penguins. And then the main experience is to see the emperor uh, penguins and then the geographic South Pole. So this is flying all the way to the lowest point on earth, which even 2023 is staggeringly hard to get to and almost no one goes there. I mean, this is a very, very rare place comparatively. Um, And that is about $100,000. What's your season? So the season is about to kick off. Three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like Antarctica closes down. In winter, nothing moves. Zip, nothing. There's no way in or out. That's it. So basically the beginning of- a cutoff point. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really, and it's a hard deadline. You get left behind, you're staying over winter in oh one of the science God. spaces. And like the science spaces go from like at the South Pole, it's like 250 people. It goes down to like 11 people. You know, it's like, and you're in, you're committed. There's no way in or out. That's it. So we're, we're fair weather. We sort of roll in at the beginning of spring in uh, mid-October. So just about now, it's all starting off. And our, our propeller planes come from Canada. They've got to come all the way down to South America. Then they hop into Antarctica and this little team go in and then they start building the ice runway. And then our heavy jet comes in from Cape Town on the 1st of November. So basically, the client season is December, January every year. Wow. And even within that window, do you ever face unexpected weather? I mean, in terms of high winds, do you get blizzards and that sort of thing in Antarctica? What yeah, do you, I'm, I'm looking at you, you with that? wide eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, it's December, January are definitely the most stable weather. So we actually get really good weather a lot of the time. Um, and as a comparative, it's like usually minus five degrees centigrade, but it's a desert, so there's no humidity, so it, it really doesn't feel bad when we're at camp. At the high polar plateau, it's more like minus 25, so that's serious, and we give specialist clothing. We even have heated suits. It's like, it's a whole thing. Um, and uh, so, so that's where you have to pay attention. But yeah, you can get storms, and um, I think they're sort of typified by people go through a storm for a couple of days, they wide-eyed and they're like, oh my goodness, what just happened? But then, I mean, that's a story they tell people for the rest of their lives. So it's, uh, it's fun. What is the reaction of the clients who go to the camp, generally speaking? How do they react? What do you see when, when they actually touch down and they see it for themselves? I think everyone's different and everyone's there for different reasons. But I think the sort of overarching element of what we try to promote is like reconnecting them to the wilderness. 
So that that's the thing. It's like being, it's it's kind of like being in the middle of the ocean or something akin to that. You really are genuinely to your soul, disconnected from absolutely everything. And you suddenly, for the first time in often people's lives, they have to really pay attention to what nature is doing. So this real connection from what boots you're wearing that day, how many layers you're wearing, whether it's really bright and sunny and you're going to get burnt, to whether there's high winds, blizzard, you know, you need to pay attention to exactly what Mother Nature is doing. And that's something us humans have got very comfortable not doing. So that's, that's a really nice change. And, you know, when we talk about climate change as well, as we were just mentioning a bit off air there, uh, you know, we've seen a lot about glaciers melting and just seeing so much water sort of gushing into the oceans that was ice. Have you observed that? I mean, what's your experience with that as somebody who's been working in Ant- Antarctica for decades now? Well, we deliver a lot of scientists to their science bases and they're the guys to really speak about it um but absolutely they do masses of ice core sampling where they check they drill down through the ice and that basically gives them what the atmosphere was like at certain depths because obviously the snow is packing onto onto it over year over year so um yeah they've done extensive research and it's a huge huge worry and this is a, a continent it's not a country it's not a little thing it's global and uh, there's Antarctica sitting there. So, you know, I think that it's, there's a, there's the way you operate in Antarctica has to be incredibly careful. We use sustainable aviation fuel. We've offset all our emissions. And the way we interact with that is to have a very, very light footprint. Um, but I think there's lots of lessons there for the rest of the world too. How do you see this evolving in the future, Patrick? Is, is Antarctica ever going to become truly accessible? Or, or will it always be the preserve of, of let's face it, I mean, the tiny, tiny, tiny percentile of people who can afford to travel there? I think the issue is, is the logistics are just staggeringly expensive and there's no way around it. You know, the, the flight is five hours south of Cape Town and there's nothing in between. So there's no staging posters. There's no way to get fuel. There's no way to get food. Anything in Antarctica is expensive. So by its nature, it's going to be very, very small numbers of people. Um, there, are, there are cruise ships that go along the peninsula, and that's far more accessible. And the way they operate is their own thing. But for coming into the interior, what we do, it's never going to be... I mean, our camps are set up for 12 people. It's 12 people in the single camp. And I really like that as well, because it provides this, this sense of discovery. You know, being in such a small group... Um, you do feel a serendipitous discovery. You, you, it feels like you're in the wilderness and you're there. If you're with hundreds of people, you don't get that feeling. So I think on a personal level, it's fab- fabulous. Um, but I also believe that, yeah, it's going to remain very, very exclusive. It's been great to have you in with us. We've really enjoyed chatting to you. If people are listening and are intrigued by this, what's the best way they can find out more? So uh, the website, I guess, uh, white-desert.com. And then we're on Instagram as well. Uh, so all the usual ways. It's brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Patrick, for sparing the time to have a chat with us. It's been brilliant. Total pleasure. Lovely to meet you guys. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.